Good morning. You can do better than that. Good morning. Got to fill some time while I'm opening up all my devices. Uh, yeah, we're excited. We uh, um, that Adam and Jamie to be a part of their life and their ministry. We've uh, we've now been pastored by them for over 15 years. And uh, originally, when we first met him, he had just moved to Arlington. Um, had primarily he was operating as a youth and young adults pastor uh, when we met him. And um, the Lord spoke to me in, in a situation of encounters that this was going to be my pastor. Uh, and I don't take that lightly. I don't move from bounce from pastor to pastor to pastor. And, and if that's what you've been doing in churches recently, stop, stay here. Um, and we, uh, and so I don't do that. And so for 15 years, uh, my wife and I have been pastored by Adam and Jamie. I'm actually going to move this up this time so you're not standing behind me because I, I, I move around a lot. And pastor Adam won't let me get off the stage. Um, so we, um, anyways, and, and during that time early on, I had some different high-profile ministers that, you know, were, you know, trying to get me into their ministry and help out and work with them. And finally, a couple of them asked me, you know, why are you not coming here with us to be, you know, discipled and trained under this ministry? Why do you choose to be, you know, to submit yourself under a, you know, a youth pastor, a young adults pastor right now? And, um, and, and simply put, from that point on, I mean, 15 years ago, and, and really my answer to that hasn't changed, is because Adam and Jamie live it better at home than they preach it in the pulpit. And, and, it's, and, and it's, that's a very rare thing to find in ministry. Unfortunately, it's a very rare thing to find in ministry. And so we appreciate them and love oh, them so much. We love them a ton. They've walked, through, walk, walked with us through many different things from ministry stuff to marriage stuff to friend stuff. And just want to thank you guys so much. We yeah. love you. You have amazing, amazing pastors. Yeah. Um, don't take them for granted. And that's coming from the best pastors that America had to offer up until a few months ago. So just wanted to say that. And in the spirit of that, you know, Boudreaux and Thibodeau one time. No. <laughs> Jamie's like, nah. <laughs> Can't do it. You're not She's like, Fine, Bob and Tex. No, I'm kidding. We, uh, but there was a there was an Amish. I, I don't know where Lance is, but um, there was a, there was an Amish lady, and uh, and uh, her and her her daughter were in the mall. They decided to stop at the mall one day with their family, and so her and her daughter are walking around the mall, and her daughter stops in amazement at these beautiful silver doors, and and she says, "Mommy, what is this?" And her mom stood bewildered. I I, I really don't know. As they looked at the elevator, and and about the time that they were looking at it. Uh, you know, a, a very sloppily dressed, uh, uh, older gentleman walked up, bald hair, overweight, didn't take care of himself, stunk, had his nose, you know, had his finger up there trying to find something in his nose at the moment, steps into this elevator, steps into this small box as the door slid open, he steps into this box, the door slides shut, and the numbers on the elevator begin to go up there watching this whole process in amazement, it goes all the way up to six, and then it pauses for a moment, and then as it comes back down in five, four, three, two, one, the doors open back up, and this gorgeous young man steps out, well-dressed, well-groomed, full head of hair, smells great, well-built, had been in the gym, and immediately the Amish mom leans down to her daughter and says, go get your father. First of all, I want to know what mall this is with six floors. Just tell me that. Tell me that. So a lady walks into a pharmacy. She goes up to the counter, and she says to the pharmacist, um, I need some cyanide, please. And uh, he says, what do you need cyanide for? And she says, well, actually, I'm going to kill my husband. And he looks at her, and he's like, uh, no, I'm, I can't help you. You know, I'm not going to be an accessory to murder. I could lose my license. You're not, you're not going to murder this guy. She reaches into her purse, and she pulls out a picture of her husband with his wife in a compromising position, and she hands it to him, and he says, well, you should have said you had a prescription when you came in. 
<laughs> so, anyways, no, guys, we're, we've got a lot of serious things we want to cover today. Um, and Adam and Jay would agree on this. You know, financial security is very important in your marriage. You know, last weekend, you know, my wife and I actually, um, we actually took out, you know, million-dollar life insurance policies on each other. Yeah. And, now it's just a waiting game. Yeah. I'm, I'm younger. Sure. Sure I'm, I'm just gonna... kidding. I'm kidding. In all honesty, though, ladies, I treat my husband like a god. She really does. No, she does treat me like a god. Every, every evening around dinner time, I receive a burnt offering. So, uh, there and you go. The only Boom, reason I let him say that was because I can't even burn toast. I'm so great in the kitchen. Hallelujah, Father. We thank you for this moment. We love you. We love what you've given us the opportunity to do here, Jesus anoint this moment for your purpose in the name of Jesus. Everybody said? Amen. Come on, everybody said? Amen. Come on, this is a full Holy Ghost church. Amen. Hallelujah. So here we, we got, I want to go ahead and put up on the screen, this is the theme scripture that Pastor Adam and Jamie brought out last week, and it's actually one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, I've, I've used this so many times in sermons just because I, I, I love it so much from the book of Proverbs. Um, and in Proverbs, it tells us, it says, by wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established. And I love this because this is so much a part of who we are, not just what we're talking about marriage here. What we're going to find out today is it's not just that we're trying to make great marriages, you know, yes, we want great marriages. We want, to, we want to have the fulfillment of what God's plan is for your life and your marriage to be active in your home. But it's so much bigger than that because ultimately, and I've had these kind of marriage counseling appointments so many times with young men and young women, older men, older women, where I've, I've sat across the table from them and I said, listen, yes, I want your marriage to work. No, I don't want you to get a divorce. Yes, I want you to be happy and I want there to be a fruitful moment in your home. But here's the, here's the thing. More than anything else, I want to make sure you end up in heaven. That's my highest priority. Above anything else, that you live eternally with Jesus in heaven. So this is so much more than just us having great marriages. It's that we have a great relationship with God that results in great marriages. Amen? And so what we see in this is in, also in the book of wisdom, or I'm sorry, in the book of Proverbs, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So by wisdom, a house is being built. That's when we look into the eyes of Jesus and say, this is what I need. This is the healing I need. This is the redemption that I need for my life. And it's through that wisdom that my house of Christianity is finally built. And then when I get into those troubling times and I go to church and I get around people that encourage me, I begin to understand some things about God. When I met God, I really didn't understand a lot about him. I had some past experiences in, in religion that warped my view of it, other things. And so I really didn't understand. But the more I've gotten along with God, the more I've gotten into church, the more I've listened, the more I've watched other people's testimonies, I begin to understand something. God loves me. I understand that he's not trying to make my life difficult. I begin to understand that it doesn't matter what's going on outside, inside, all these things, all the things that the world's bringing against me. I understand God loves me. I don't, I don't know a lot, but I understand that. And that's what strengthens our house. That's what makes us firm and strong. And we may, we're, you know, we may have a difficult time from this day to our last, but I know one thing, I'm going to end up in heaven forever. That's the understanding that we are, get established in. But then in this last part is so important. I think it's the one that gets most neglected. Are the, through knowledge are the chambers or the rooms filled with great treasures. I love this because so much of Christianity, so many Christians, even though they're saved, they love God. They know that God loves them. When you walk into their home, when you walk into their spiritual home, when you walk into their life, they have nothing to offer. They have nothing to offer. Well, I don't know about that. I, I've never studied that. I, I've never, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how God did that. I don't know what that means in Scripture. It's because we get to a point in Christianity where we get satisfied with the fact that we're going to heaven. We don't become students of the Word. 
We don't take the time to look into the word, to graft it into our heart. You know what? In, in, in Psalms it says this. The psalmist said this one time. He said, God, I gra-, in, in, in Psalms 119, he said, I graft the word into my heart that I would not sin against you. So many Christians are falling into sin for one reason. The word of God is not strong in their heart. That's it. In fact, we've gotten to the point where the most, the most word that most Christians receive is up here on this screen. That's the most word that most Christians ever receive during their week. And there's no wonder why there's so much failure in Christianity is because our hearts are not full of the word of God. So I want us to become students of the word, but I don't only want us to become students of the word because this same thing can be applied to marriage and us become students of marriage. And I want to point out in the scripture, I was meditating this morning, knowledge, by the, through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasure. And the word rare really stood out to me. It's something that you don't find very often. And in this day and age, with our divorce rates at almost 50% just in the church, I mean, you can say that a great marriage is a very rare thing. And so today, we're here to be very real with you about how you can have that rare uh, marriage. We can make it not so rare anymore. That's right. And even Elisa commented to me, because what we're going to be talking about this morning, we're going to talk about how to unify your marriage. Uh, there's been, uh, now on Saturday, once again on Saturday, this Saturday, coming up next Saturday, 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 this Saturday we're going to be doing a seminar, and at that seminar, um, because I'm competitive, I want more people at my seminar than we're at Pastor Adam and Jamie's seminar. I think they'd just, be okay with that, I think uh, they'd be fine. Just saying. And, um, and, we're, and, and, and the topic should uh, do, make that happen because we're going to be talking very bluntly about sex in marriage. And so this is going to be rated mature. Not 18. this morning. No, not this morning. It's next Saturday. So you're fine with your teenagers in here. Yeah, I see somebody over there covering the ears. Oh, it's Cohen. He's covering <laughs> his ears. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't mean to call you out. Um, <laughs> 18 and over, please um, leave your teenagers and your kids at home. Um, we're going to be taking questions, so if you have uh, questions about the bedroom area, uh, different things, we will be taking those anonymously, and we will answer them in the class. Yeah, and so there's going to be a lot applied to that. And so in that, we're, we're in this house that Pastor Adam and Jamie had asked us to address, you know, our, and back in the 90s, if you're a 90s kid, you remember Yo! MTV Cribs. And so every time they'd come up, they'd open up their doors, and they'd say, Yo! MTV, come on in, let me show you my crib. And they'd always go through the house, and they'd always, for some reason, end up at the refrigerator and show us what's in their fridge, which, you know, most of us are like, yeah, I'm not opening that. And, uh, but ultimately, they get to the master bedroom. And every episode, they swing two doors open because, you know, mine has one. But they would have two doors they would swing open. And they would, they would walk in and say, this is where the magic happens. And so, so we are decorating for you this morning and next Saturday the bedroom. We're going to be, we're going to be decorating the, the cribs part of this. And, uh, and so we're very excited about that because uh, this is a subject that we have, as a church, unfortunately, completely abandoned. Oh, well, we don't talk about that in here. Why? God created it. You know, you know uh, Solomon had 3,000 psalms that he wrote. Only one of them went double platinum and got its own book. There's a, this is not a subject that the church should be silent on. This is a subject that the church should own. That's right. Because what happened was the church abandoned this subject, and now the world has taken possession of it. 
you know, if you read in Fox News this last week, University of Tennessee has uh, now initiated what they're calling Sex Week on campus, and, it, and it's an initiation where they're going to be spending the entire week discussing sexuality and sex things on their on their college campus for their all the class, all the students there at University of Tennessee, and they're bringing in guest professors to help them with this study during this time in all the classrooms. And guess who they're bringing in as guest professors? Porn stars. The world is absolutely excited to take possession of this subject simply because the, the church has abandoned it. Now, you'll hear occasionally a church that will address it from a different vantage points. They'll kind of tap on it. They'll kind of touch on it a little bit. No, we need to be very square, very open. We need to teach our couples. We need to teach our marriages what it means to be intimate with each other in a powerful way that restores their marriage and brings down the walls of all the darkness and all the insecurities and all the misunderstandings that are out there so that there's a beauty in marriage that God designed from the very beginning. Amen? Amen. And so in this... Oh, you ready for me? Yeah, I'm ready for you, girl. Okay, my turn. Uh, So usually when we... This is our experience. This may not be your experience. When we have been to marriage conferences or have heard ministers get up and talk about marriage, you know, they'll bring their wife on stage and they'll hug them and it's all smiley and it's like, hey, we've been married for 35 amazing years. And, you know, we'll sit there and go, yay, that's good for you. I've been married for not, it hasn't been amazing for me. And so that was our, that was our um, experience. And so I'm here to tell you that we have been married. It'll be 17 years in August. That's right. And 17, very normal, very average and regular years. We've been married 10 beautiful years. Ten beautiful, not eat probably. No. We're gonna say five amazing years. Okay, five. Two horrible years. Oh, yeah, they were bad. They were and then the rest were just normal. So you know, like we're probably like everybody else out there. So uh, what we want to do? I want to share just my pe- testimony with you this morning. How this entire thing came to be about. Uh, we pastored in Delhart for ten years, and probably about three years into it, you know, sitting sitting around with a group of women in my church, and you know, with women we talk about stuff, and so we're talking about relationships, and uh, which eventually goes into marriage, which we start talking about our husbands, and then we start talking about the bedroom, and uh, just come to find out, hearing these women, um, nobody was happy in their marriage, and on the outside, like at church, every I wouldn't have thought that they had any of these issues. And so I'm sitting there as a pastor's wife, and they're saying things like, if I never had sex with my husband again for the rest of my life, I'd be okay. And inside me, the Holy Spirit is going, that is wrong. And I knew that a woman should not hold back from her husband. But at that point, I found myself identifying more with what they were saying than what the word said. And so that was a real check for me. Um, because I had no answers for them. I had just as many questions as they had, but as their pastor's wife, I couldn't say yay or nay. And so I left, and I went home to my husband, and I said, we got a problem. Let me, tell me how to handle this. And so we sat down, and how we handled it was we dug into our own marriage. Come to find out, it wasn't that great. I thought it was, and he was unhappy, and we had not ever talked about it. And so this came out, and it, it was probably, we started working on things, not right away. I was, uh, there was a lot of fighting right away when I was like, what? And he was like, uh. And uh, so there was some attitude that came out, um, and, and just about two years later, well, a year later, then uh, we were talking to Pastor Adam and Jamie about it, and he said, you need to teach that. And I said, absolutely not. I'm not standing up and teaching any of that, you know. And so then a year later, after really researching and finding out and communicating with each other, this teaching was born. And the, the first time that we presented it, 
the sign-up book was full. Everybody in our church was like, yes, we need this. And I was shocked. I thought we'd have two couples, and we'd be preaching to four people, and that would be it. But it wasn't, and so it just became a revelation. Yeah, it's so big. And in fact, this morning, I'm looking back at the clock. Half of what we need to get to this morning, we're not even going to touch it this morning. Um, so we're going to have to just kind of push you back to Saturday. Uh, so I, I want to just bring out a couple of things, uh, that being in mind. Number one, this isn't just about your marriage. This isn't just about your marriage. I, I'm going to take just a moment. Go ahead and put this, the first scripture up on the screen from Genesis. I know we've been talking about this quite a bit, so I just wanted to, everybody to take a look at it. The Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone, but I will make him a helper that is suitable to him. Now, everybody knows how this, this Genesis story it, it enacts out. It, it continues to move on. And we know that he didn't create for Adam a church family. He did not create for Adam a group of a support group. He did not create for Adam a, a, a group of confidants. He did not create for, he created for Adam a bride. When he said it's not good for man to be alone, he wasn't talking about anything else but somebody that he could draw into his spirit, draw into his soul, that he could trust completely and would trust him completely, and they could share everything with, and that they could support each other, they could strengthen each other, because my wife is not what completes me. Jesus is what completes me. My wife is what multiplies and enhances and it strengthens me in those moments where I'm weak. She is the only one. People come and go. Friends come and go. Family comes and go, she is the one that walks with me to the very end. And outside of Jesus, no one else walks to me to the very end except for her. God did not create anything but a bride when he said it's not good that man be alone. So he goes on and he says, so the, and you jump down to verse 21, and says, so the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And as he is in this deep sleep, and while he is sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs. Now that word took is actually a violent action in the Hebrew. He violently took one of his ribs out, then closed that place with the flesh. Let's move on to the next one. Verse 22. And, uh, and it says, and then the Lord made woman from the rib that he had taken out of man. He brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she is taken out of man. And this is why a man shall leave his father and his mother, and he shall be united with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And Adam and his wife were both naked, and they did not feel any shame. Let's be very clear about this. Shame, insecurity, fear, embarrassment, in, a, in, in, the, in the area of sexuality between a husband and wife is not the created nature that God created between husband and wife. is actually the first thing that we see at the fallen nature of man. At the fallen nature of man, the first thing that happened was, and they, were, they covered themselves out of shame. When there is embarrassment and fear and insecurity in a sexual relationship between a husband and wife, it is the state of fallen man, not the state of the perfect creation. We are supposed to be unashamed. We are not supposed to be hindered and full of fear. This whole thing plays out in the life of Adam. This whole thing played out in the life of Christ because in Ephesians it says that this is the great mystery between Christ and the church. What you see in husband and wife is the same thing that you see between Christ and the church. And the reason why there's so many people that don't understand what it means to be a good Christian in the sight of God is because they don't understand what it means to be a good spouse. It's the great mystery. First John says, how is it you say you can love God who you've never seen when you, say you, can, when you can't even love your brother who you can't see? How is it you say that you obey God? He said, anyone that says that I, that I love God but I don't obey what he tells me to do is a liar and the truth isn't in him. How is it that I can truly say that I know what it means to walk in the light of the revelation and truth of the word of God when I won't even love my spouse? 
When I won't even obey what Scripture says about what it means to be buried. So Jesus fulfilled this same thing. For this cause, a man shall leave his, his father and his mother. Jesus left his father. When Adam was created, you didn't have one creation with one spirit. It actually says, it says in, in the book of Genesis chapter 1, it says that when he created him, he created Adam. He created male, female. He created them. Two spirits, one body. The reason why, marriage, the reason why there's, so much, uh, there's so much difficulty in marriage when it comes to intimacy is because of this. Adam knew Eve's soul and her spirit before he ever knew her body. He knew her soul and her spirit intimately. It was, it was created within him. And so when God then removed Eve from Adam's side, see, uh, marriage is not a product of creation. It's a product of choice. If it's a product of creation, it's bondage. If it's a product of choice, it's love. And so what happened was Eve was removed from Adam's side, and Adam said, no, I want to draw her back in. Her spirit was taken from inside of me, and now I'm gonna, by choice, I'm going to draw her soul and her spirit back into me. So inside of Adam was built the spirit of Eve. Now listen to this. When Jesus was born, miraculous birth. Adam was created, miraculous birth. Inside of Adam was the spirit of his bride. Inside of Jesus was the spirit of his bride. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of the church. When Jesus went, when Adam went to the cross, he failed at the, I mean, when Adam went to the tree, he failed at the tree. Jesus went to the cross and he succeeded at the tree. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 15 says that at Jesus is the last Adam. The first one here, the last one in Jesus. Then Adam's side was opened up and his bride was removed. But through a violent act, there was a spear that was thrust into the side of Jesus, a violent act, and his bride was removed. Adam looked at Eve and he said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and I will call her like man. I will call her woman. And then as that bride was created in the church, all the world looked at it and said it has the same spirit as Christ. We will call it Christians, like Christ. And then Adam looked at her and said, you're bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And Jesus has looked at us, the church, and said, you're bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. You are my body. They are not subordinate to each other. Listen to this. There is equality there. Whoa, did you say we're just equal with Christ as the church? Absolutely. We'll be seated in heavenly places with our Christ Jesus. We are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. All the things you see me do, you're going to do. Why? Because you have the same spirit that was, remo- that was given to you that was in me. This is why so many Christians have a difficult time. It's because they don't understand what's going on in marriage, and they don't understand what's going on in our relationship with Christ. This is bigger than just our marriage. So we have to literally go through this quickly. I think if we're quick, we can yeah, get through this. So, we have to get through this Yeah, we're going to go to the first point. Communicate romance and consideration. Men? Men, communicate romance. We're going to blow through these as quickly as possible. Men, it's not about waiting for your... I know that you say, oh, Pastor John, I don't even... I, I don't get the romance thing. Exactly. That spirit was removed from you. Draw it back in by choice. Yeah, it's not in you. It's not innate. It's not created in you. Take the choice. Show her that you're choosing to romance and draw her spirit back into you. Wives, we need to consider our husbands. Uh, Sometimes we find ourselves looking at more what they don't do than the 10 other things that they are doing. We'll pull out that one thing that wasn't perfect, and then we'll criticize that, and we'll overlook the things that he has done. I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to tell it myself. This is a great story. I told it last service. Um, My husband is great at doing the dishes, and he's terrible at taking out the trash. Well, the trash is what irritates me the most, okay? So I'll do the dishes myself, but, you know, I get irritated about the trash. Nobody raise your hands. I'm just going to raise them for you. So... 
One day I was walking by the trash and the lid wouldn't even shut down. It was so stuffed because, you know, he'll push everything down. Push like, that trash bag is not full enough. I'm paying Cram. five cents for that trash bag. I'm going to use it. There's more room so in there. He pushes it all the way down and now it's overflowing. And I walked by and I was like, I'm going to show him. And so I go to the fridge and I pull out the very back this thing of tuna that I love tuna. But like it had been in there for like a week. You know how tuna smells like after a while? And he hates tuna. So I take this tuna, unlock it, and I put the little blob like right on the edge where it's almost about to fall onto the floor so that when he walks by the trash can, he will see and smell the tuna and I don't have to say anything. He's going to know that I was irritated about it, but that's wrong. I need to consider the things that he is doing for me. Amen. Come on. So many of you ladies are laughing because you're like, I know. Um, dispel one another's insecurities. Guys, we know that, that, that our wife, we, she has all these insecurities in her. We, we realize that. We're going to get to something else in a minute, ladies. You're not the only one in this boat. But, it's, but here's the thing is I've had so many counseling appointments with pre-marriage. Uh, those of you who are not married yet, kind of prep, prep for this one, is this, is that, we, is, is that when I stand at an altar with a couple and I unite them in marriage, actually in my vows I include this in, but in most, most people's marriages they have this understanding of, okay, this is the day that our lives begin together. This is the moment where I'm with you till death do us part. From this day till death do us part. And that's, that's the reason why there's so much difficulty in marriage. Because the reality is, when I married her, I didn't marry her from the day that we said I do forward. I married her from the day we said I do forward and all the way back. I married everything. I married every past boyfriend that took advantage of her. I married every time, whether it was her family or maybe is is your wife's family, everything that her critical dad said to her as she was growing up, you married that too. It's not about me loving her from this day forward. It's about me loving her from this day back and all the way to the end. I have to out-love every critical thing that was ever said to her. I have to out-love every insecurity that she had in her before we ever met. I have to out-love every critical thing that her father ever said to her. I have to out-love every abuse that every prior boyfriend committed to her. Amen. I just have to add, just in case it sounded like my dad was awful to me. My dad was no. amazing. He was he He's was actually the reason why we're married. <laughs> yeah, Did you know that? So here's the deal. I, I know we don't have time, but I'm going to do it anyway. So, so, we, so when we met... So she understands. She's smart enough. My wife is a brilliant woman. She knows that the weight of a man's heart is through her stomach. So she would bring all of these amazing home-cooked meals over to my apartment, you know, in, a, in an attempt to, you know, as I was going through all the applications that were being presented to me for marriage at that time, you know, to... to the to, eye to, roll is gigantic. Yeah. It, it, huge. <laughs> my eyes are stuck in the back of my head. So, you know, so she was, so she, you know, she was really kind of, you know, she was really getting hers in. And so she was, you know, bring these home-cooked meals over to me. Well, after we got married, I was like, this is amazing. I married the best cook on planet Earth. And I started saying, well, what about, you know, what are we having for dinner? And it was like, it was what was it? It was lemon chicken. No, 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 no. What was it that you were cooking every night? Uh, uh, Sandwiches. Uh, no, it was beef helper. What is that stuff called? Oh, hamburger, hamburger helper. helper. Hamburger helper. Every night for a month. That stuff I'm is like, brilliant. sweetheart, listen, I love you. This is great hamburger helper. <laughs> and because uh, I think that's the little sign on the box. And I said, I said, but what about you know that seafood casserole? Pot roast. The pot roast. Smoked all the barbecue. It. All the things that you made. And she was like. My dad made that. That was actually her dad. <laughs> and she would bring me the leftovers. It was like I was Leah and not Rachel in that moment. <laughs> it was just terrible. Anyway. Okay, so ladies, 
Uh, you're not the only ones with insecurities. Your husband has insecurities too. They may not be voiced to you, but he is thinking them. Am I providing for her? Is she happy? Am I doing enough? Um, am I a good father to our kids? And so whether or not you, he voices that question to you and you answer it, you are answering it with your attitude or with your criticisms, or maybe you're answering it wonderfully with your praises. So when you do that, you praise him for those things because he may not say them out loud, but you need to let him know that you are happy with him, that he makes you happy, that he is a good provider because it will launch him into his calling. Those That's words right. of kindness will do that. Listen, and, and men, if you're, not, if you're not breaking down the insecurities that, that society is bringing to your wife, when you don't tell her how beautiful she is, when you don't tell her that you prefer her body, when you don't tell her how amazing she looks in every aspect, by not saying that, you're saying, I prefer all the images that I'm seeing everywhere else. Women, by not saying, I so appreciate the house that you have provided for me, I love the car that you have bought for me, what you're communicating to him is, I want the house that she's buy- that this woman's house is buying for her. I want the car that she's driving. You're not, pr- you're not doing what God has called you to do. And, and the I'm whole magazine thing, I mean, you, men, you have to understand, you're not just, you're, it's not that you're looking at the, she sees the she's magazine and she compares yeah. herself to that. So whether or not you're saying it, she's already comparing. You just go ahead and know that she's comparing herself to her friends or to uh, the models or to whoever's on her favorite TV show. She, so you have to just go ahead and start dispelling. Speaking a language of unity and responding in a language of love, I want everybody to say communicate. Men, no, no, it's not. Men say communicate. 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 Women say respond. respond. Say it again, respond. This is, this is what we have. We have a communication and response problem going on in marriage. Men communicating in a language of unity. One of the great breakthroughs that we made in, Amer- in, our, in, our, in our trek, in our movement, in this teaching was this. Was I kept communicating my pleasure. Well, honey, I'm not pleased. I'm not happy. I'm not receiving the pleasure. I'm not receiving the fulfillment, the enjoyment that I feel like I deserve from our marriage. I think that we should be doing this. I mean, I'm, I'm not even reading. This isn't about porn. This isn't about Playboy articles. I'm reading Fox News articles, uh, you know, uh, from experts in this area, and I just don't see this is not what's happening in our marriage. And I kept talking from a from a standpoint in the language of pleasure. I want pleasure. I need pleasure. And all of a sudden, the Lord woke me up and He said, "You're speaking a language she doesn't understand. You're speaking a language of pleasure." When she's desiring to be drawn back in and know that you want her spirit unified back with yours. So I changed my verbiage and I said, honey, I want, to be, I want us to be together. The reason why I enjoy us being together, the reason why I enjoy intimacy in our marriage, the reason why I enjoy us be, is because it's the only thing that only you and I do. I don't share this with anyone else. This is between you and me. I, I kiss my children. I've kissed my mom. Uh, you know, I hug other people. I hang out with other people. This is the only place that belongs to just you and me. And it's in that place that I feel closer to you than I do anyone else. And ladies, have you ever had that one friend uh, among all of the others that just they can't wait to be intimate with their husband and they talk about it like it's the greatest thing and you're just going, yeah, because you don't identify with it at all, but you want to. And so you're like, hashtag jelly. I mean, like, I I want that, you know, but how do I get that? (laughs) And, uh, you know, like for me, though, like I did not realize that he wanted that for me as well. There was a piece of my life that I kept hidden from him. And that was that women, we are built for pleasure. I'm sorry. We're, we're built to be able. A lot more to come on that next Saturday. Yes, show up Saturday. Rated in. 
but I was fine with, as long as he had his release, I had done my job. I could go back to the kids. I could go back to the housework. I could go back to whatever it was and, you know, see you next week kind of thing. But that is not what he wants to provide everything for you. Your husband wants to be your provider of your finances, the great dad for your kids, your house, your joy, your fulfillment, especially in the bedroom. We have to realize that, that if we don't allow that, then it makes them feel like less of a man. Yep. And so when I start communicating a, a communication of unity, and, she's, and, and all of a sudden my wife doesn't hear, please me, please me, please me, please me, what is that a, what is that a voice of? Selfishness. Selfishness. See, two people in a marriage together, selfish and selfless is abuse. One taking as much as they can and the other one willing to give it. That's an abusive relationship. Selfish and selfish is divorce. As soon as I get everything I can get out of you and you've gotten everything you can get out of me, we're done. Selfless and selfless is a beautiful marriage. So when all I'm doing is trying to provide for her, when my ambition in life is for her to feel fulfilled, she doesn't have to, she doesn't have to fight for her fulfillment. I'm fighting for it. And when her passion in life is to bring me fulfillment, I'm not having to fight for my pleasure. God designed her to respond to it. God designed me to draw her in in unity and for her to respond in pleasure. Because the reality is this, the, the women who do fight that, they just think, oh, well, all he wants is his, he wants to finish, he wants to have his release, and then my job is done is very emasculating. A man wants to provide that, just like she said. He wants to know that this is a place I provide for my wife's greatest desire, greatest fulfillment. And it's in that place that we, re, we speak in a language of unity. She responds in a language of pleasure. All of a sudden, we get down to our last point, which is, which is Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm just going to briefly hit on it because we have time. Is this. As we see at the end of Ephesians chapter 5, it says, This is the great mystery of Christ in the church. In the great mystery of Christ in the church, if you back up, we see, Wives, submit yourself to your husbands. Every wife, when I said that, just... Rolls her eyes or cringes or whatever. Yes. Zone out. They zoned out at that moment. Because we would equate the word submission with domination. Submission is not domination. Submission is not weakness. If it's weakness, then the body of Christ is weak because we are submitted under Christ. It's the submission we have under Christ that gives us the strength to do great things. Submission is not weakness. You cannot submit to something that's inferior to you, and you cannot be, and you cannot, you cannot be an authority to something that's inferior to you. And I, and I mean that from this standpoint of, I, used to, I grew up working on ranches my whole life. I cowboyed. I broke dozens, if not hundreds of horses over time. No horse ever submitted to me. I dominated him. I broke his will until he did what I told him to do, whether he liked it or not. That is not the verbiage we see in Scripture. That is not the example we see in Scripture. Yeah. And because the Scripture says, wives, submit yourself to your husbands first, and then goes into husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, we have it in our mind that the initial act is women submitting, and then because they submit, the men will love. That is wrong, and it goes against the, the analogy. The analogy is men love your wives as Christ loved the church and died. What happened first? Did the church submit to Christ first, or did Jesus die for the church first? first? The death of Christ was the overwhelming act of love that then spoke to the church, and the church says, that's what I will give my life to. I've had so many men say, I'm so frustrated because my wife, she just doesn't seem like she submits. She doesn't, it, we're all constantly at battle. She's constantly trying to challenge me. And I said, love her out of it. 
Love her out of it. There's actually four scriptures talking about husbands loving your wives, two talking about wives submitting to your husbands. So with that ratio, I tell so many men, love your wife into submission. Love her twice as much as you want her to submit to you. Love her to the point at which she steps back and says, there's no other man on earth that I'd be willing, that I respect more than you. There's no other man on earth that if I have to make the choice, not the responsibility, the choice. Once again, choice of the love, choice of marriage. If I'm going to make the choice to submit my life under anyone's authority, it's this man right here. And that only comes about by the greatest act of love that she can, that she can encounter. The greatest act of love was Christ's death on the church, and the response was the church submitted to him. Men, love her into submission. If she's, if she's being combative, love her past that. What about her insecurities? Love her past that. What about all the things that she's harboring in her heart? Love her past that. Love her until she gets to the point that says, this is a man I can trust with all that I am and everything I have. It's about, I it's about responding. Um, and this is the basis for these classes and these teachings that we do. Um, I've, we've had so many people avoid these teachings because they think that we're going to say, submit, you have to have sex with your husband, and we're going to force no, people. That never. is completely wrong. We're not going to do that. We are just going to open your eyes to what marriage can really be and yeah. let you have your own journey. That's right. Go ahead and stand with me to your feet. Thank you guys for being so patient. We went a little bit long this morning, and it's, and it's only because, um, you know, we should stay longer. That's why. <laughs> But we do thank you so much and appreciate the fact that you want and you're fighting for a good marriage because that's what it is. We're fighting for a good marriage. We're fighting the culture. We're fighting insecurities. We're fighting our past. Listen, guys, we're fighting religion because religion has said, religion so often, and this is what so many ladies are dealing with, and we're going to talk more in depth about it, but so many ladies are dealing with the fact that they grew up in a youth ministry that says that, 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 that sex is bad. So you, if you want it, you're bad. There's something wrong with you. And it's cover up. Don't let them touch you. Don't let them touch you. Don't. And you get married and you think all that's going to go away. And bad religion has destroyed so many marriages. And wives don't understand there's a freedom. Wives don't understand that there's a grace. Right? Wives don't understand that there is an amazing, beautiful, gorgeous passion of, of freedom and pleasure in marriage. It's because of Everything from culture to abuse to insecurities to religion. Listen, guys, this isn't the thing that just holds us out of bad marriages. This is the kind of thing that holds people out of a relationship with Jesus. Past experiences, bad religion. Mahatma Gandhi one time said this when he was asked, what is the greatest philosophy in religion? Mahatma Gandhi said, Christianity. So well, why are you Hindu? Why are you the greatest movement in Hindu the world has ever known? He said, very simple. He said, I love the teachings of Christ, and I love Christ, but I do not like their Christians. One of the greatest hindrances to Christianity, unfortunately, many times is other Christians. Guys, many of you in here are saying, man, what you're talking about in marriage, I've never heard from a church platform. What you're talking about today, this is, this, it's not just this revelation eye-opening thing. It's just this, it's different. It's different than what I've seen. It's different than... But there's something underlying, there's a foundation that I'm missing that you guys have. And it's not that we practice this, it's not, uh, honestly, this is the best homework I've ever had in any class, ever, in history. I, I, I do want to make that clear. But, but it's not that we have found some kind of secret. It's because at the end of it all, more than anything else, I echo the words of Jesus when I say, everything I do, I just want it to be pleasing to the Father. The way I treat my wife, I want it to be pleasing to God way I treat my children, I want it to be pleasing to God. The way I treat you, 
I want it to be pleasing to God. So I don't want to hold anything back from you because I want to be pleasing to God and I want your marriage to be pleasing to God. But above any of that, I want you to have a life and a relationship with Jesus that's pleasing to God. Bow your heads, close your eyes. The reason why I say that is simply because of this. I want you to have a moment by yourself. I want it to be you and no one else, not the person standing behind you, in front of you, behind, next to you, on either side. Just you and Jesus in this moment. That relationship, you feel like either Pastor John and I have walked away from it, or really, I don't think I've ever really had it. A lot of people are in the institution of marriage, but they've never been really married. They're in, an inst- they're in a contract with somebody, but they've never really, he's never drawn her soul and her heart in. She's never really trusted him enough to open up. They've never really been in a marriage. There's a lot of people who've been going to church that have never known Jesus. Guys, I don't want that to be you. Listen, Pastor Adam said this so many times, and him and I are straight up on this very clear thing. We are not trying to grow the attendance of this church. We're trying to grow the population of heaven. More than anything else, our heart's cry is that we do not miss a moment of you for eternity in heaven. And if you would say, Pastor John, I, I just don't know where I stand. I don't know. If, if, I, if I drew my last breath on earth, I really don't know if I would take my first breath in heaven. I don't know that for a fact. I hope so, but I don't know it. I, I know I've been religious, but I don't know if I've ever had a relationship with Jesus. It's so much different. So much different. If you say, Pastor John, what I've seen in you and your wife, there's something bigger than just a good marriage. I can see y'all's love for Christ. I can see y'all are in relationship with him. And if that's you and you say, John, I want that. Man, I'm not going to leave this place without it. We're not going to call you down to the front. It's not it's about embarrassment. I don't want to put it and phrase it like that. It's not, it's, it's not embarrassing to walk down to the front of an altar. But we're not going to do that this morning. I don't want anything to hinder you. That's all. I just don't want anything to hold you back. Anything. Your insecurities, your fear, you don't understand what's going on. I don't want anything to hold you back. If you just say, John, just right now, I just want to acknowledge the fact that I'm away from God and I'm ready to come home. I'm away from God and I'm ready to come home. If he'll have me, I'm ready to come home. And the Lord is saying this to you. The Lord is saying, I'll have you. Please come home. Please come home to me. You say, Pastor John, that's me. I'm ready to come home. I'm done living my life. I want my Jesus to take over. That's you. No one's looking around. This is just between you, me, and the Lord. Just lift your hand right there where you're at. Right there where you're at. Just lift your hand. Thank you, sweetheart. Anyone else? Thanks. Thank you so much, sweetie. Thank you in the back. Awesome. Oh, guys, this is amazing. I can't thank you, sweetie. I can't promise you tomorrow. My brother stepped out in front of a car one day. Didn't know. He was just crossing the street. It was his last day on earth. I can't promise you tomorrow. But I can promise you in this moment, if you'll give your life to Jesus, I can promise you eternity. I can't promise you tomorrow, but I can't promise you eternity. Just two more seconds. If you'd say, Pastor John, I want to come to Jesus this morning. I'm done living my life for myself. I want to give it to him. I'll just give you three more seconds. Lift your hand high so I can see it. Three. Thanks, brother. Two. One. Right there where you're at, I want you to stay right where you are. I don't want you to go anywhere, and I'm going to pray. We're going to pray together, and I want everyone in here to pray this with me. Not so that a few people, four, five, six people, thank you so much for raising your hand and acknowledging where you want to be with Jesus. I'm not talking about us just praying, to, praying so that they don't isolate themselves and sound silly praying by themselves. I want us to all remember how precious salvation is. When we pray this prayer together, I want you to remember you're right. He did die for me. I want all of us as Christians to remember how precious salvation is, how amazing that gift is to us as we pray this together. So I want you, everyone in here to repeat this with me, and especially those that raise their hands. I want not only those to mean it with all their heart, but I want all of us to pray this with all of our heart. Say, thank you, Jesus. Come on, you can say it better than that. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. 
for taking all of my sin, for giving me all of your love, that I don't have to die alone, but I can live forever with you. You gave me all of your life, and I now give you all of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Make me fresh and make me new. Give me a new life. Take away all my sin. God, I give you my heart. And I can't wait to be with you in heaven forever. Because this is my home. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Were you blessed today? Were you blessed? Say yes. Amen. Thank you, Pastor John. Pastor Lisa, thank you so much. Would you just close your eyes for a second? I want to pray for those of us that uh, need unity in our marriage. We need oneness again. Father, nobody in this room is claiming to be perfect. None of us have it all figured out. In fact, the scripture that this whole series is built on is that it's going to take work to build a home. And once we get it built, we're going to have to keep taking knowledge to establish it so that it doesn't fall apart. And then, Lord, to fill the rooms with rare and precious treasures, oh God, we're going to need your guidance and we're going to have to work at it. Lord, I know that each and every one of us are at different phases and stages and ups and downs. And so, Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that this word about oneness, how do we get oneness? How do we get on the same page? Well, God, that that would not just become a good little message, but that we'd all strive for it. And so, Lord, give grace and mercy for every man and woman in this room, for our single folks, oh God, those that are pre-married and those that are post-married, Lord God. Lord, for those folks, oh God, I pray right now in Jesus' name, I pray, Lord God, that they would have such grace on them, that, Lord God, the things that they're learning, things that they're watching and experiencing, Lord, even for those that will never be married, Lord, there are those who are called just to your side and your side alone. But, Lord, they'll always minister to others, and they'll be able to say, hey, listen, I learned this. I know I'm not married, but let me tell you what I saw and what I know. And, Lord, even helping others through what they've learned here today. Lord, I ask you for oneness with you and oneness with our spouses for those of us that are married. Help us have that unity in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Don't forget, as Pastor John and Lisa will be teaching this Saturday, Seminar, it's from 9.30 to 11. We're really good about the time. Make sure you come to that. There's no child care provided, so you have to figure out how to handle that for yourselves. And then at the same time, if you're interested in giving a car, you got an old car laying around, Pastor Jonathan's looking to do an outreach by using something like that. Hey, God bless you. We love you. High five that person next to you. You are officially dismissed, and I can't wait to see you next Sunday. It's going to be awesome. God bless you.